UMGoBlue.com. By fans, for fans. Since 1999. Hello, welcome to this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. By the numbers with Phil Callahan and Clint Derringer. Well, Clint, we had quite a day to uh, talk about. Uh, Michigan ran roughshod over Penn State, 42-7. to uh, What did the, the numbers say? Well, this is uh, the first time in a few weeks that they, they dominated all five of the factors, uh, the S&P Plus factors, from efficiency, explosiveness, field position, turnovers and penalties, and uh, also uh, finishing inside uh, the opponent's 40. So it's a total uh, domination from top to bottom and exactly the way that you would, uh, you know, put a request in for. So it was, it was awesome. It was, it was definitely a complete game from top to bottom. You know, it was interesting being there because um, one of the things that Coach Harbaugh mentioned in his, in his post game is the stadium was rocking from beginning to end. And it, as you said, it, it's, it's amazing because, you know, your eyes tell you that Michigan completely dominated. And sometimes the statistics are a little different. But when you look at the, at the five factors, Michigan really just completely dominated from, from top to bottom. Was there anything that surprised you when you looked at the numbers compared to seeing the game live? Yeah, I I, I was a little bit discouraged, especially first snap of the game uh, with Penn State. Uh, actually, Penn State's first snap of the game, I should say, offensively. With that slant that went for 25 yards, I thought, oh, boy, you know, that uh, something about their system, they've got, got our number. Um, so the big chunk plays. Uh, were were a little bit surprising, but w- when you're talking about probably less than ten chunk plays total all day, and that is all that they did, then uh, it's a relatively small thing. But to see that their uh, their ISO expected points per play was actually higher than Michigan's in terms of explosiveness was a little bit surprising. But um, when you're only looking at their successful plays and their number of successful plays is so small, it, it it's understandable. But um, like I said, thorough domination from top to bottom for uh, for Michigan. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that slant because that's the first thing I thought was, you know, it was interesting because last year, um, you know, listening to what they talked about after they dominated Michigan at Penn State, it was pretty clear that they had put a fair amount of game planning and, and strategy in place to tr- try to take advantage of our defense. And heading into this game, the players and Don Brown had talked about how uh, they were concerned about the game. You know, they were they were worried about, you know, what had happened last year. They had, they had thinking about it every day, and they were going to do everything they could to, to keep that from happening. So when that came out like that, I was like, oh, I, I had a similar thought. I'm like, wow, maybe Penn State really has dialed up something that can that can exploit our defense. And, you know, when you saw it game in, you know, play in and play out, they didn't. And and I think the thing that really impressed me was in watching the replay of the game, you know, when you're watching the game live, you find yourself floating or, or focusing on the point of attack. And, you know, often Michigan looked great at the point of attack, you know, Hassling the quarterback, uh, you know, putting pressure, you know, tackling. 
But what amazed me when I watched the game on tape is that you can watch away from the play and how great everyone's technique is, how everyone is doing on almost every play exactly what they're supposed to do. And, you know, I was thinking about this. You know, when you look at the large picture, the larger picture of the defense, you know, in some years there's one dominant player. And I think back to, like, 97, of course, Charles Woodson was the dominant player. And you'd look for him to do something or have a big play every game. The difference that I see in this defense is that everybody is doing so well that the credit and the pressure is equally distributed. Now, of course, you have Chase Winovich, who's just a beast from his position. But it's not that Khalid Hudson's having a bad year because we don't hear his name called that much. Or it's not that Devin Bush isn't having a great year because we don't hear his name called all the time. It's it's the credit and the pressure is equally distributed among among the players. And one of the things that Coach Harbaugh talked about is that everybody loves to see other guys get the credit. You know, there's not anybody trying to showboat, anybody trying to, to hog the spotlight. They're perfectly content with doing their job and, and letting the chips fall where they may. And I was amazed watching the, the replay. It really seemed like Michigan had two or three extra guys on defense. I mean, they were everywhere they needed to be. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that's a, a testament, obviously, to, to Don Brown. And it's, it reminds me of the feeling that I had when they hired Don Brown in two, for the 2016 season. So this guy's been putting up, you know, a top one or two or three defense in the country at Boston College uh, with the recruiting that Harbaugh had done and Brady Hoke had done before him with the talent that Michigan had stockpiled on the defensive side of the ball. You know, it, it was like taking a, you know, taking a guy that's used to working with, with mid-level talent and giving him, you know, top-level talent. This is exactly what, what I had hoped for. You know, 16 was a great defense. Last year, that's all that we had. I mean, we, we got to eight wins on the back of, pretty much only Don Brown's defense. And now and this year you're really seeing uh, exactly what you're talking about, that across the board everybody is playing the system well enough with, with talent, with you know players that have earned their way onto the field. Um, it's, uh, it's a thing of beauty. It's a thing of beauty for people that really love football, um, and it's a thing of beauty for people that are just casual fans and like to see Michigan playing well, you know that there's there's a lot there. There's a lot of content there. There's a lot to chew on, and it's it's been fun, and and I think it's you know going to continue to be fun. Earlier in the season, people were pointing at Rashawn Gary, and and obviously part of it was that you know he was dinged up, but people were wondering why he didn't put together bigger numbers. And I think what you're seeing is that listen, Rashawn Gary is a great player. Um, he'll, you know, he'll be better when he's 100% healthy. But right now, you see Rashawn Gary rotated in last game, and he was just another player. And I don't think that's a criticism of him. That's how well everybody around him has, has come up. And I mean, it, it's amazing because the other thing that I really appreciated in watching the replay was you could see the substitutions. And Michigan is really rolling, um, you know, a line and a half of guys, okay? You're seeing 15 or 16 guys rotated in, and there doesn't seem to be any, you know, noticeable drop-off. So, and again, I would say, you know, the the one 
you know, if there is a, a shining star, a first among equals, it's Chase Winovich. Um, you know, his motor just doesn't stop. And I think that's that's just incredible. I mean, the guy is, is you know, 110% every play, um, getting dinged up, getting pushed around. Um, you know, there was one uh, one picture going around on the Internet of, of two guys holding Rashawn Gary uh, while somebody else made a play. So, again, you know, Rashawn Gary is going to be back as a good player, but the defense from, from side to side, from top to back, just really is just just really doing well. I mean, it's like you said, for you know, as somebody who really loves football and watches the techniques and the formations and 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 the different coverages and the different packages, it's really amazing to see right now how how good they are. Um, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk about is you know you made a point of of uh, highlighting what a great job that Ed Warner's doing on the offensive line, and I I, I couldn't agree you know more. I mean. You know, you mentioned, hey, whatever you need to do to get this guy locked up. Um, again, the, the offensive line has improved in ways that uh, better than I could have hoped. I mean, w- when Warner came in, you know, and, and we talked about this, you know, every offseason you win, right? Everybody's looking great. Everybody's getting better. And I, I had been so frustrated with the offensive line the last shoot seven eight nine years okay it had been consistent a consistent refrain every offseason well we need to get better we need to recruit and and i will tell you when warner came in last year i looked at his credentials and i said okay this is great this guy can coach offensive line but how long is it going to take for him to get the players he needs because i looked at the offensive line and i said you know it's basically going to be pretty much the same personnel and how much what kind of a difference can one coach make? Boy, we see that. I mean, he, he, he's just been amazing. I mean, um, you, know, uh, you know, speaking from a, uh, uh, the side of the defense, Clinton, I know that, you know, defense is one of your specialties. You know, what do you see from the, from the offensive line and the improvement they've made the last four or five games? Uh, it, it starts at the center. It starts with uh, with Ruiz being able to make the calls and communicate and keep everybody on the same page. What the reason that his performance, especially before the snap, even before he's blocked anybody, is so critical, is because what they're doing <clears throat> is taking very much what the defensive front is giving them. Their their base play uh, is something that I think you're you're very familiar. You know when. The high school that we went to, we called it Drive 26. I think wing T teams probably call it the belly play. Um, I've seen it called down G somewhere else, but it's basically a couple down blocks and a kick-out block or, or um, a hook block from the guard pulling. And they, they have variations that if the guard is covered, if the, the defensive lineman is actually over the guard that's supposed to pull, then they adjust and the center and the tackle pull. Um they, they actually uh, ran that on the, uh, the RPO where Gentry caught the touchdown pass um, in, in the Penn State game. So that is the biggest difference, the, the ability to adjust, to have a base concept for your play, whether it's zone or a gap scheme, and then be able to adjust, adjust to the different fronts that you see and execute at a high level, and then being athletic enough on the offensive line to both get push against the uh, the larger interior guys and then also 
uh, the quick feet to, to stay in front of the, the linebackers at the second level. That's that's what's going on. It's really been uh, it's been an extremely pleasant surprise. And and from the from the S and P angle, uh, if you remember way back, you know, in our preseason conversations, we were saying, man, if this this offense can just stay out of the way, right? If it can just be good enough to stay out of the way, Michigan is probably going to win. More games than it loses. Probably going to probably going to win, you know, nine or ten games, and, and that was the the cautious optimism that I think most fans had, and I think certainly you and I. But let's let's look at where they're at. Uh, first on, on standard downs on offense, their their S and P plus ranking is fifth in the in, in the country. Um, when you look just at the rushing attack, um, in terms of efficiency and explosiveness, just the rushing attack is 16th in the country. You know, we're, we're not talking about, man, just stay out of the way. We're talking about being a top-tier offense in terms of efficiency and explosiveness, and that's exactly exactly what uh, has been building uh, in the Harbaugh era is balance, the ability to attack all levels of the field, um, and then take what the defense gives you. You know, it's it's what all offenses are really trying to do, whether it's spread or power or whatever. They want to be able to attack anywhere based on wherever you're weakest, right? They want to find the weak point of uh, of your front and then continue to attack it. And and right now, Michigan's executing at a high enough level that I think uh, you know it, it's it's certainly not uh, just hoping that they stay out of the way anymore. They're, they're certainly an asset and, and a weapon on offense. And in, still, in my own personal opinion, based on some of the base concepts and you know the layers that are still coming, we still haven't seen a huge portion of this playbook um, yet. And maybe maybe we won't. Maybe we won't need it. Um, but you know, I, I would expect at some point this season that we're going to see um, a lot of a lot of these concepts get built on what we're what we're winning with right now is a lot of foundational things. There's still a lot of uh, counters and, and other uh, additional layers to be unveiled. So uh, it's exciting. It's exciting to see. And uh, you know, I, I feel like I, I'm talking to myself when I keep saying, uh, you know, take it one game at a time. It's really really hard for me um, not to be thinking about November 24th right now, but. Well, well, I will tell you, Clint. As much as people in the media and fans try to, to, you know, trying to get ahead of themselves, you know, after the game, you know, it was funny because several times people from the media would say, "Well, you're in line to fulfill all your dreams," and the player would snap back and say, "You know what? Uh, one game at a time. We're not going to get ahead of ourselves. We're not worried about dreams. We're worried about the next game." And it was really great to hear that. That even after such a, a dominant butt-kicking that, you know, you get the impression they weren't getting too full of themselves. But, you know, one of the things I wanted to go back to is you've been talking, you know, the last couple podcasts about, you know, we were talking about what kind of offense is, is Jim Harbaugh trying to build, and, and, you know, I think it's been unveiling itself. But you know, you've talked about these different layers. I thought one of the layers we did see against Penn State is we saw that attempted that attempted screen pass off of the jet sweep, which, you know, they, they missed, but boy, did it look pretty. And, and it's that kind of thing that, you know, even though it didn't go, you know, it wasn't completed, it didn't go for a touchdown, 
Boy, it sure looked like it could have, and it's yet another thing that other teams need to game plan for. And, you know, while I was watching, uh, again, watching the replay, I was trying to think about the factors that were lining up to make this offense seem so much better than past Michigan offenses under Jim Harbaugh. And I, I came to two things. First is, we've already talked about how, you know, how the offensive line is coming together and, and really coming together as a group and, and taking care of business. But I'll tell you, watching Shea Patterson give the ball and then pull it out, um, it's just, it's amazing how many times I know to watch the fake. I know the fake's coming, and I still get pulled away on the fake. I mean, and, and, and it's amazing because it seems like such a simple thing, but he is so good at pulling that ball out to where, you know, the, 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 the defense gets pulled all the way away and leaves one half open for him either to pull the ball out and run around or for Higdon to, to, to break up the middle. It, it, it's really, again, it seems like such a simple thing to do. But there's, but Shea Patterson is so good at it. And, you know, one thing I want to give credit for, you know, we talked about how um, uh, when, you know, the offensive line came together, you know, when Shea Patterson uh, committed to Michigan and was able to transfer in, people would talk about how great he was. And, and I have to admit that I was kind of caught in the, okay, well, let's see. You know, we, we always hear how great the quarterbacks are and, we heard how great he was doing in practice in spring, and yeah, 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 show me, show me. He has really brought a whole other dimension to the quarterback position that we haven't we haven't seen under Harbaugh uh, yet. And and that's not throwing Jake Ruddock or or Wilton Spate under the truck under the bus. That is just saying that 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 Patterson brings a whole other dimension, uh, a, a shiftiness, a deception to the offense that that until you see it, you really don't appreciate it. Yep, I, I agree. Um, I think his his strengths are are really kind of muted isn't the right word, maybe understated, right, that he's not jumping out of the film. He's not jumping out during the game. And then you, you have to really go back and see that he's contributing to almost every play. Whether it's the whether it's the option game where he has to be accounted for, or there there are a few teams that we've played that just did not account for the fact that oh yeah by the way he can still pull it and run. Um, I think you've seen Michigan uh, rely on Shea Patterson's legs on on critical third and fourth downs uh, over the last four or five weeks. You know that's not an accident. They, they've they've been giving and giving and giving early in the season. It seemed like man, I, I don't even know if those are actually option plays because he never actually pulls it. Well, I, I, I've i always had the feeling that Harbaugh likes to keep a lot um, kind of in the garage and and not unveil it until uh, he knows that it's going to be successful um, and put the other coaching staff in, uh, in a position where they're trying to adjust on the fly not having kind of a ready-made canned response to what what he wants to do. So um, that's that's where Patterson has been most effective. And then the other thing is his completion rate. He's, he's completing over, you know, 63% of his passes. Um, that puts him 17th in the country as a team in terms of completion rate. So the, the yards 
don't ever really jump off the paper at you in the box score, but when they need to complete a pass, you know, two times out of two out of three times they're completing that pass. You know, they 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 are making the plays when they need to be made. It's much more situationally based, and that's that's where you hear, you know, that they leave themselves in third and short very often. They pick up those third and shorts very often. These are all the categories that Michigan's offense is top ten in the country, even though they're in the middle of the pack and some of your other standard things. Situationally, you can tell where the focus is from the offensive staff and what they're trying to accomplish, and, and they're successful in doing that. They, they continue to win the efficiency battle where they're, they're staying in front of the chains on first and second down. We'd be remiss to not mention Karan Higdon, who is just a sledgehammer out there. Just keeps and, and it's interesting because we were talking about the offensive line, and I really think it's kind of a synchronicity between the offensive line. You mentioned getting on their blocks, getting to that second level, starting to chip on linebackers, starting to to just open up creases, and then Karan Higgin running and running and pounding and pounding, and the, you know it's all I was I was watching him and I'm like you know he kind of pounds pounds the line almost like a fullback. Like, he's just hitting and hitting and hitting. And then a crease will open up, and he's gone. And, and again, it's just, you know, I've mentioned this before. The first three years under Harbaugh, and I think we really need to throw out, throw out last year because the quarterback situation was such a, a mess. But I could never really see what he was trying to build to. It always seemed that about three-quarters of the way through the season, the offense – was what it was, okay? It you really there for the impression I had is there was nowhere left to go. You were kind of seeing it. This is what you got, right? And now the offense, like you said, I, I completely believe. You know, when the players say that half the playbook hasn't been run, and when you say you see the different options they could be doing, you know, I I, I see it. You know, you, you can see it, and and I'll tell you, I see it. You know. I'll tell you, one of the plays that really gets me excited is when they when they line up the three receivers, okay? And then they've even showed the diamond formation a few times. And you can just see all the different things you can run from that. You know, and I think back to that, to the last touchdown against Northwestern. They lined up the three receivers and then ran it up the middle. I mean, you can do so many things, and I can see it. And, and it's really exciting from a football standpoint because, you know, much as we were talking about how you can see, you can appreciate all the different levels the defense is firing in, you can look at the offense and go, oh my gosh, I see the five plays you can do from this. And even if you only do the first or second option, you know, the football geek in me gets really excited because it's like, oh wow, I can see the four or five different things they can do here. And uh, again, I, I really think that if you are trying to game plan Michigan, um, well, well, you know, let me put that to you, Clint. Um, how would you game plan Michigan's defense right now? What what would you try to do? You know, what kind of 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 attack would you try to formulate that you think would be successful against the defense and what we've seen so far? Trying to attack Michigan's defense. Yep. I I think because of the speed of the linebackers, um, it's a bad idea to try to attack out wide. Um, in my opinion, it, it, when, when you've got very athletic, fast linebackers, you have to try to go right at them. 
you have to try to you'd have to try to dominate or you'd have to try to establish yourself uh, up front and and work off of plays that are up the middle. So um, it's easier said than done, for sure. But uh, when I look at Michigan's defense, if I was trying to attack it, I, I would be trying to get some movement on the D tackles with some solid double teams, and, and then work and play action off of that, uh, and trying to get behind those linebackers. Um, much easier said than done, for sure. But I, the strength of the defense, in my opinion, is on the edges. Obviously, with Winovich and Gary and Kalik Hudson um, at that Viper position, and then the speed of the middle linebackers to get sideline to sideline. Um, Maryland's a team that tries to uh, tries to get beat you to the edge with a lot of jet motion and, and counters off of that, and they were very unsuccessful, almost totally shut down. So um, attacks like Wisconsin and Michigan State uh, traditionally are the ones that uh, should be that's that's what I would try to go with and and we know how well Wisconsin and Michigan State you know executed against the defense so um, I don't know that there's a great way but I think that is the preferred way well I think we saw Penn State tried to attack it with the slants and I think that that may work once or twice but you're, you're basically playing roulette and we saw you know early yeah they they had a nice chunk play and then, you know, what happens is you don't know where the attack's coming from. You don't know where the blitz is coming from. And, you know, on a slant, you're pretty much, you know, taking the ball and firing. And what you get is you get that interception. I mean, you get the, you get trying to get rid of the ball quickly. And you have somebody in your face. And, and again, like you said, the linebackers are so quick. Added to the, the speed of our, our defensive backs. It's just, you know, I try to think about, you know, what we would do. And what I wonder is, you know, there are very few teams, um, you know, and, and I think about Alabama. I thought Ohio State, but, but not so much now. But, you know, I think you would have to have a dominant offensive line that you could attack the middle, like you said. Basically, you could just try to take on and, and, and cut up, you know, split a seam, you know, open up a crack that you can run through. And, and just and and basically it'll be a run first, and then of course you know it's always if you know you know I think it would be the opposite if the run might open up the pass, but right now I would I would put our defense up against any offense I've seen. I would really like to see you know I, I'm not afraid of any offense is what I'm saying. I, yeah, I would I, like I, to see it. I, I can understand that for sure. I, I think Plan B, um, from what I said before. Plan B is probably to try and and beat the man coverage uh, from the corners and safeties. To do that, you're going to have to be able to protect for three and a half or four seconds. So I, I think most people just kind of throw that plan B out right away. I think uh, the best offense in the country is probably uh, Alabama's. Um, if, uh, if there were a matchup with Alabama, hypothetically, or, or if it actually happens later on down the line, um, that's what they're going to try to do. They're, they're going to have some routes, uh, some combination routes that are going to take a little bit longer to develop, uh, and they're, they're going to have confidence in their guys up front to try to actually protect. So, um, like I said, that, that's plan B because man-to-man coverage, can't, you can't cover those guys forever. So Don Brown's whole scheme is about we're going to get to the quarterback and get in his face before you've got an opportunity to – 
to beat our, our press coverage, and you're going to have to throw it pretty much perfectly, like you were saying, uh, on those slants. If, if you're not hitting him right between the numbers to where he catches it and, and can protect himself, you know, then you're going to get a lot of deflections, and we, that's where we've seen some of those interceptions. I wanted to kind of circle back to, to the slants also because this is the – this is the other side, this is the other shoe dropping to the problem that we had most of last year on defense, which was covering uh, fade routes and wheel routes up the seam uh, in this, from the slot guy. So uh, the adjustment this year has been twofold. Number one is they, they line up with outside leverage against the slot guy many times. So um, they're, they're saying, go ahead and take the slant, we'll make the tackle. We don't, we're not going to get beat over the top on the fade. And even the, even in the Notre Dame game where we got beat on two slot fades, the coverage was was relatively good, and there were two um, exceptional plays by the offense to actually make those work. So um, even after that, he adjusted even more, and, and they play outside leverage on that slot fade, and they force you to throw the slant. Now, the, the other reason the slant is so effective is because so many times we're sending those middle linebackers on blitzes. Uh, again, that's that's Don Brown's philosophy is to, to get there so fast that you have to be perfect with a guy in your face. When they do hit, there's there's nobody there. You're playing outside leverage on the slot guy. The linebackers underneath have both blitzed. If you can hit those plays, that's, that's what we're going to see. And then the safeties typically make the tackle for 10, 15 yards. So um, when – what he's also done to combat now the slant. And uh, we saw this as an adjustment in the Northwestern game. Northwestern completed like six or seven slant passes to get out to that 17 and nothing lead. And then all of a sudden it was gone. And what he did was started kind of running some trap coverage with those linebackers where they showed blitz and then backed out. So um, it was less aggressive than he likes to be, but given what he clearly downloaded as the uh, the offensive game plan from the other team. He made that adjustment, and the slant basically went away. And then you make the, the offense adjust, and then, you know, we beat them one-on-one from, from that point forward. So uh, it's been very good. I, I'm sure that he still has a couple of tricks up his sleeve. Um, Ohio State's another team that may be able to protect long enough to try to run some routes that are tough, um, tough against man coverage. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. And uh, that's that's the game within the game right there is how long does that quarterback have? How long does that do those receivers have to try to beat the uh, the press coverage that, that we're going to run 90, 95% of the defensive snaps? One thing I've been surprised by is I would have thought that the way that we – the way that Don Brown has guys coming on defense – that we would have been caught by a few screen passes at this point. And it just hasn't happened. And I remember when Don Brown was explaining his his defensive philosophy, and he's like, you know, everybody thinks we just blitz willy-nilly. We have a strategy. We have a formula. We, you know, we're, And I remember thinking, well, yeah, but there's only so many places to blitz from. And I figured somebody would have gotten lucky. And, and it just hasn't happened. So... Um, you know, that is one thing that's always in the back of my mind that with the way, you know, I think that um, one way you might be able to do it is to always roll out one way or the other away from, you know, 
preferably away from Winovich, although you don't you never know exactly where he's going to come from, and and try to hit him with some screens. Um, again, haven't seen it. Um, you know, one thing I wanted to mention too. You know, talking about last year is that one of the things that happened last year is the offense was so inefficient that the defense was on the field constantly, and I think they got run down. And one of the things you're seeing with more balance between the offense and defense this year is that the defense is fresher and they they can come every every play. So it, it's really interesting, you know. At this point last year, the defense was kind of getting run down, and and again you could only and I think Penn State was was the perfect example last year where you could only be good so long. Like you said, you could only cover so long, and the defense was on the field so much, you know they just you know, just got wore out. So, again, it, everything seems to be coming together. Um, Clint, do you have any final words for, for the podcast? Yeah, yeah. One one thing that's been a little bit understated between you and I also, I think, is the field position, both uh, when in our kicking game, kickoffs and punts, and in our return game, um, it's been a significant advantage almost every single week uh, that we're, we're starting out near the 35, and the other teams are usually averaging a start of around 25, and that also plays into exactly what you were just saying. If, if we're starting 10 yards ahead of, of where they're starting every single drive with the way that our offense is built on efficiency and our defense is, is really putting them into third and long situations back in the shadow of their own goal line many times, um, it, it, it's just it's exhausting not only – physically, but it's emotionally draining to constantly be, be playing under that kind of pressure. I think of uh, the, the phrase sometimes with a pitcher uh, pitching out of the stretch with a man, with men on base, those are stressful pitches. I, I think Michigan is very, very good at making the other offense and the other team operate in stressful situations. So we're, we're dictating those things, and, and that's that's kind of the core of, of Harbaugh's game plan on both sides, I think. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.